belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for May 28th, 2023 is called Pentecost Sunday. The speaker is John Ray and the location is Clap Auditorium, Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Thank you for being with us this morning. We are really glad that you're here. My name is John Ray. This is Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas on this Memorial Day weekend. <clears throat> um, so when I was a kid, <clears throat> I, I, I got to confess, I didn't watch a lot of TV. Um, well, not like today with all the streaming services and stuff. But I did watch Mr. Rogers and I did watch Sesame Street. And somebody asked me recently, what is my vision for the kingdom of God? Like, if you could describe the kingdom of God, if you could describe this perfect place. And I was surprised to find myself answering, I said, Sesame Street. And, and I hadn't really thought about it before I said it. But I was like, that's, that's my vision of what I think God is coming to do. And it's not that it's urban. It's not that, it's this idea that everybody belongs. The genius of Sesame Street is that you have a community where every gift is valued and where every imperfection is allowed for. People are, they're not cast out, they're not um, shunned because they're different with that. And it's, it's also a place where everybody is learning. Like the expectation within the community is that you everybody's learning. There's always something to learn. There's always something to grow in with that. It's a place where people and animals of all colors and languages, temperaments and ability, they coexist in peace. Everybody has a place. No one is treated as if they are stupid. No one is treated as if they have to earn their way in. No one is better than someone else. Now, you might ask if Sesame Street is some kind of secular utopia, and it could be, but I also think that it reflects a world much more accurately in many ways than many of our attempts with other languages to describe what we're aiming at as Christ followers, what we're going for. In some ways, I think Sesame Street stands as a prophetic witness to the church, a monocultural church, an earning church, a church that has walls and barriers with that. Well, what has all that got to do with Pentecost? Well, in Pentecost, we're going to see something happening, not on Sesame Street, but on a street in Jerusalem where something similar, in a way, happens. Because today is Pentecost Sunday, y'all. Now, when I was a kid, so let me stop. If you're not familiar with Pentecost, that's okay. Just practice a little here. Nobody's stupid. Everybody has something to learn. When I was growing up, when I heard Pentecost, I thought pentagram. So I was like, why is the church talking about a satanic symbol and having a day to celebrate it? Like, why why is there pentagram Sunday? I didn't know the difference between a pentagram and Pentecost growing up. So I, I've been confessing to that here. So if you don't know what Pentecost is, that's fine. Pentecost was actually a, a Jewish holiday that they celebrated 
and that the believers, the followers of Jesus at this day, after Jesus had been crucified and buried and had ascended into heaven, they were together on this Jewish holiday called Pentecost with that. And then as, uh, as Leah read, this amazing thing happens and the Spirit of God somehow falls and the writer in his, in his attempt to explain it talks about it like tons of fire came on people and they went and they preached in all these different languages to all these different people who had come to the temple they were proselytes. They were, they were people who were not Jewish ethnically, but were coming and they were trying to learn about this Jewish God, this Hebrew God. So they had come to Jerusalem on the Feast of Pentecost to encounter God, and they did, but it wasn't in the temple that they encountered God. It was in the streets with these Jesus followers preaching, proclaiming the kingdom of God, but not just in Greek, but in their own languages. They were hearing it in their own languages. Now, here's the thing. The, 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 the text is amb ambiguous here. We actually don't know if they were speaking in these different languages or the people were just hearing that. But the end result is the same. As these people who had come from all over who were considered outsiders were being treated as insiders with this. And that's, that's kind of the ultimate goal is that all... It's, it's the ultimate goal of God delivering this welcome of inclusion to all people. Like that's the big idea for Pentecost is that y'all come on in. All y'all welcome. Whether that's speaking Southern or Yankee or any other foreign language there. It is the welcoming. And as Christ followers, we are to be deliverance people. Not just for ourselves, but for people everywhere. Pentecost is the dramatic demonstration of this reality. Now, as I said earlier when we were praying, I think that this has particular um, import to us as a church, not just as a theological concept, but to us as Grace Church for the role that we play in the community right now. And this also relates to our Exodus story, because if you've been here, we've been going through Exodus, we've been looking at it, and we want to see that how this relates to the Exodus story because it relates closely and importantly. You see, this is a fulfillment of what God intended when God demanded the people let go so that they could worship God. Remember, Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go, so that what? So that we can go and worship. It wasn't just let my people go because we're slaves. It wasn't just let my people go because you're a bad master. It was let my people go so we can worship. And God is letting his people go fully to worship and this experience in a very real way. And, and the amazing thing about this is that without this movement in Acts, Exodus is incomplete. Because what we see in Exodus is the people of Israel are being called out of Egypt. They're being called out for a purpose. And then in Acts... Everybody else is being called in. So we have an exodus out of the empire of Egypt for the purpose of the inclusion of all the empires of the world into the kingdom. So it's the, it's the completion of the exodus story is what we see in Pentecost with this. Um, you see, Egypt 
is built on exceptionalism. Hierarchy, ranking. The Egyptians are here. The Israelites were here with this. In the same way that all oppressive anti-kingdom structures are built on exceptionalism. Pentecost is the exact opposite of gatekeeping, of tribalism, nationalism, systems of ethnic superiority, any kind of oppressive structure. Pentecost is the opposite of that. And we demonstrate this. We, we even practice it. It's built into our worship as a church with baptism. You're baptized into the body. You're, you become one within the body, right? With communion, when well, we're going to take communion here later, it's, it's everybody gets a place at the table. Church is supposed to be the expression in the natural way of holding all things in common. Not as an economic philosophy necessarily, but as an experience of abundance with this. Pentecost, uh, like I... I would love to see, um, well, again, my mind goes strange places at times, but it's kind of like I see Pentecost like an Oprah show, you know, where she's like, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. It's like, it's like the Holy Spirit is like, and you get the Holy Spirit, and you get the Holy Spirit, and you get the Holy Like, everybody gets it. Nobody's left out. Everybody in the audience gets the gift. Um, so it, the Holy Spirit's kind of like Oprah there, I guess you could say. But um, Nadia Bowles-Weber says this. She says, the 120 original members of the church very well could have communicated to those from every country living in Jerusalem in Greek, because indeed, Greek was the trade language. It was the language that people spoke to each other if you were from different. You spoke Greek. But instead, and I love this line, as an act of sacred promiscuity, the Holy Spirit chose to reveal the truth about God's great deeds and the power of power in the Medish and Parthensianese, Eubonic, Spanglish, and slang of the Queen's English, and in Arabic and Farsi and so on. It was just everybody gets to hear. Nobody is left out. In our teaching team this week, Laura commented that Pentecost is another example of God moving closer to people. So much of religion is based on the idea of a person moving closer to God, of our works, our effort, and indeed, effort is necessary. Remember, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. But if you want to see where the real movement is in, in religion, it is God moving towards us, not us moving towards God. Pentecost, again, as, as it relates to us as a church, is, is our interpretive key for Exodus. Again, we look at things through a Christological hermeneutic. We see, we read the story back through the lens of Jesus, through the lens of Pentecost. And without that, Exodus just becomes another tribal memoir. Without Pentecost, Exodus becomes just another validation of tribal exceptionalism. Without Pentecost, Exodus just becomes another power struggle myth. Well, what does this mean for us? How do we live in this power? How do we experience Pentecost with us today? What happens as a result? Well, that's why this, this thing we, we've struggled with with a church and we're moving into more and more and we're practicing more and more 
is that we see Pentecost is, is in essence an inclusive and welcoming event. It transcends all of the boundaries that were present, prevalent, and practiced in the day. It overcomes those things. It includes all people. Um, Betty commented that, you know, in some ways we read the Bible a lot and we see Israel as kind of a pick-me, pick-me people. Like, hey, we're over here, pick-me, pick-me. Which, which is okay, we see. But that has to be combined with a healthy way of saying and everyone else. Yes, yes, we want to know that individually. We want to know that we are, we are following God in a correct way. But it, it's not just for us. It can never be just for us. It has to be someone else. And this is where when Stan was speaking out at, at uh, Stan Mitchell was talking at Devil's Den, and he talked about just how destructive a, a poverty mentality or a scarcity mentality is. If anything combats that, it's this. It's that there is an abundance. There is enough for everyone. We're not going to run out, y'all. By extending grace to other people, we're not going to have less grace ourselves. Now that may sound obvious on the, on the surface, and you may easily say that if you think about it, but do you really act that way? Do we really, as a church, behave and act in such a way that if I give mercy, if I give grace, if I give inclusion, if I welcome someone into this place, that it's, it's going to take something from me. I'm going to lose something. It's going to diminish me in somehow. Y'all, I, I find myself, even as much as I don't ever want to do that, as much as I consciously try to fight against it and practice a way of being that is different than that, I still revert to that when I'm tired, when I'm scared, when I'm confused, when I'm challenged. It's like, i got to make sure I got mine even if that means somebody else doesn't get theirs. Pentecost speaks against that. It says there's always going to be enough. There's always going to be enough. There's always going to be abundance, not just to scrape by, but there's always going to be an abundance. And as Laura said in the teaching meeting this week, she said, we as the church are to be proclaimers of this abundance. If nothing else, we are to be proclaimers that there is more than enough grace. There is more than enough mercy. There is more than enough love. And there is more than enough room for you to be here. Everybody welcome with that. We don't, also it's important to remember that we don't bring this abundance. This abundance exists. It's already here. We don't create it. We just appropriate it in a way. Walk in. Well, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how my own uh, experiences with charismatic Christianity over the years have formed my idea of this. Uh, I don't know the rest of y'all, but I've spending many years in ministry, I've had the opportunity, and, and I love them, the opportunities to, to visit a wide range of churches in a wide variety of cultural contexts in different countries and things like that. And of course, I grew up Southern Baptist, so the first time I encountered a charismatic worship service, y'all, it was something. 
I'm just going to tell y'all, it was challenging for me with that. I remember being in a African-American church at 31st and Truce down in the, that neighborhood in Kansas City, and we sat down in pews, and it looked very structured, and the church ladies with their church hats on, and lots of amens, and preach it, brothers, and I was okay with that, but then, man, something happened in the, it changed, and people started speaking in tongues, just gibbering out loud, and I'm like, well, okay, that's different, and then people would get up like they were shocked, like, like it was just electrical. Like they would, they would shoot out of their seats and they wow, and they would fall down. And people go over there and be fanning them, and things. People were falling out, and the whole thing. And I'm like, I need to get out of here. This is not safe. Something bad's gonna happen. And I remember I just fixated on the organist. I was just because she was this beautiful woman, and she was playing, and she was so serene. All this chaos going on all around everything. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm just going to watch her. I'm just going to watch her face. It's going to be okay. I'm just going to watch her. She's okay. Y'all, sure enough, later on, the, the buzzer hit her. Wow! I mean, she fell back and rigor mortis set in, and they had to come catch her. And I'm like, oh, no, we're done now. She was my one saving thing that's going to happen in this whole thing. And I was just, I, I didn't know what to do with it. And uh, And I remember... Uh, talking about it afterwards and and people you know they have this very developed theology around well hey this is this is the manifestation of the spirit and this is how it is expressed and 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 unfortunately then it moves beyond that quite often too and if you really want to be a christian you have to experience this if you really want to be, be a believer you have to experience this you have to do it this way and I, listen, I want y'all to hear me. I'm not condemning that practice at all. As a matter of fact, after a while, I was like, well, I want this. This is cool. I want this to happen. I can remember praying fervently for it to happen. I can remember for this healer guy to come up. and It was a line. He was like, if you want to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, come up in the line. Man, I was up there. I was in the line. Come on. And he put his hand on, it, on my forehead because that's what they do. You know, they touch on the forehead and you fall back. Well, I waited. I didn't fall back. I felt a little more pressure on my forehead, and I'm like, dude, come on. Like, it's going to happen or it's not. I remember just fighting against his hand because I, I, I wanted it to be God. I didn't want it to be a man with that. Well, all that's to say, what do we, what do, we do with that? I mean, our worship isn't marked by people getting the divine cattle prod in the rear end. You know, um, although, Sean, I think you would be great, like, just to get the service going. Um, yeah, I mean, it could happen. It could happen. But but what, it, what does it mean in a broader sense? Not excluding those things, but what does it mean in a broader sense? And we will look at the trajectory of, the, of, of Acts the broader sense is what we're doing. By practicing affirmation and inclusion, by saying everybody is welcome, by opening our communion table to everybody that you haven't had to be baptized in our church to come take communion. By this practice of radical hospitality, that's the goal of the, of the Spirit. 
was whether it's speaking in tongues, whether it's being slain in the spirit, or whether it's offering hospitality to someone who's been left out, who's been shown no mercy, who's been excluded. The goal is us together. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And as we do this, as we wrap up today and we celebrate Pentecost once again on this church calendar, I want us to be reminded that the power of Pentecost is shown in our active gospel imaginations that allow for the overcoming of every prejudice, of all selfishness, of the prison of the scarcity mentality. The power of the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the power to confront everything. All the systems of oppression, injustice, violence, and exclusion. The power of the Holy Spirit is that when we can look out and we can see a church where people who were formerly enemies, where people who formerly hated each other, where people who formerly judged each other, disqualified each other, dismissed each other, where people who used to hate each other are now one in Jesus. That's the goal. That's the telos of Pentecost. That's what happened on that day. That is what is still happening now. And that's what will happen in the end. So, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.